Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Thursday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. On the program with me today, Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress hanging out as we get you set for tonight's NBA draft. Coming up tonight, we will see the 2022 National Basketball Association draft where Auburn Tigers players Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler will find out what professional teams they will start their careers with. That starts at 7 o'clock Central Time. On today's show, we chat with Jonathan Hoppy from WTVM News Leader 9 at 3.30 at 4 o'clock. Ben Golliver, the NBA reporter and senior insider for the Washington Post will join our show. We'll have an NBA draft preview throughout the program. We'll take a look at some monthly predictions. We've got birthdays in sports and a nightly TV guide. So several things that we aim to accomplish here on today's show and we welcome you into Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Thank you for listening to the program. Ryan, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm so excited about the NBA draft and we asked Ferg about it earlier in the week, but it's just with the NBA, and, and I love the sport a lot, uh, it just is always going year-round. And I think that up until this point, for Auburn people, there's not been a whole lot of reason to care about the NBA. Sure, you've got the Hawks, just as you have the Falcons and the Braves and all that. But um, you know, having a team from a different state isn't necessarily a good enough reason to love the NBA. You then, in recent years, have started to see some Auburn players get in. Chumo, Kiki, and then, of course, Isaac Okoro, who's a big deal. However, Okoro, if we're being honest, is not the leader of that franchise and is not somebody that um, you know is as easy to start loving a team or a sport for because what he does really well are things that are not as sexy. You know, right. He's not a great shooter, not a great scorer of the basketball, but he's an excellent defender and he plays really hard. And that's valuable to a team, but it's not necessarily something that gets you to start watching a sport. However, we've arrived today, and Auburn has a guy in Jabari Smith Jr. that could very well be an, a perennial all-star in the NBA. And if he is an all-star in the NBA, it won't be because of why Isaac Okoro is a good player. It will be because he's scoring the basketball on an elite level. He's the leader of a basketball team, the best player on a basketball team. And a team that's pretty local if he is Orlando. You know, you're not going to have to root for someone out in Timbuktu, out in Portland or Denver or something. You're going to root for somebody uh, that, relatively speaking, is one of the closer franchises just behind Atlanta, Memphis, and New Orleans, one of the closer franchises to the state of Alabama. And so um, I'm really excited about that. I, I hope and and expect him to be number one. But I also just love the NBA offseason total. Like I'm still going to celebrate as a fan of the Warriors their championship for months to come. However, business starts booming again. And you have the free agency, obviously, in a couple weeks. You have the draft tonight. 
you have a busy period of time for the NBA. And then after that, you have Summer League, which you will get to see the guys drafted tonight participate in in, in Las Vegas in about a month. And so it, it really does not stop with this league. And I'm really excited to see the NBA draft tonight. It's a big event. And look, it's something, again, to reiterate what Justin Ferguson said on, on Tuesday that I, I, grew, I, grew, I agree with. Excuse me. You know, the NFL draft takes three days. And it's not like day one is shorter and day two is short. These are pretty, it's a pretty long draft. MLB has a million rounds. It's hard to follow it after a little while. But the NBA draft is succinctly into one night. All the players feel like they matter. Does not mean that the second round picks will end up having great careers. But it's very easy to follow a one night draft in which there's only about 60 players drafted in tonight's case will only be 58 and it's just such a consumable draft and so that's why i'm so excited for it and excited to talk about the possibilities for not only jabari smith but walker kessler as well we take a look at what's taking place this evening for both of those guys so they get set to start their nba careers jabari smith jr and walker kessler as we'll see what teams select them in tonight's draft again seven o'clock central time it will start we heard bruce pearl will be in attendance we'll hear from coach pearl a little bit later in the program once again here on today's show also happening we've seen two atlanta braves games since the last time we came on the air i was thinking about that and driving home last night after the show uh, how kind of fun it is when we have scenarios like this and it happens frequently throughout the season where you play a night game and immediately the next day you're playing in a day for a getaway game and it's one of those thoughts Ryan where I'm like well I'm about to keep up with the Braves game but it's not technically going to be the most recent Braves game that's taking place the next time that we go live on the year for sports call so two Braves games have taken place since our voices were heard here on WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM or on the Tiger Communications app. And the Braves won both of them. That's the good news to report. Uh, one run victories in both of them, and they take three out of four from the San Francisco Giants. Uh, incredible stuff from Atlanta. They won four to three on a walk off by Adam Duvall last night. Base hit back up the middle, and then they got a seven to six win over San Francisco to close out that four game series just a little bit ago today. Yeah, no, it, it is always great to talk about Braves victories, but to get to talk about two, two of, them of them man, at one time and against a good team. Like, this was a very successful, in my opinion, series. I mean, you win three out of four. What, what was it? It was like 20 games in a row or something where the Braves played teams under 500. Yeah, 29. 25, it was 25, 29. 29 games. Well, this is the very first series where that did not happen. For a month, well, they played a good team. How would they fare after playing a bunch of teams headed for uh, an early offseason? They did quite well. They won three out of four. And the significance of that is while the Braves continue to chase the Mets, and they are catching them, they're only four back, there's a lot of time left. One of these teams could end up winning the division by seven or eight games ultimately. But while that's... We, we focus on that. We also got to remember there's an extra wild card team this year. There are three wild card teams, both the National American League. And even with that, the Braves, if they had lost that ser- this series against the Giants, they would have been behind or, or, or they would have been even with, I should say, the Giants in the series, depending on how they lost series. Obviously, three out of four were getting swept. And the Giants right now, they are tied for that third and final wild card spot. 
the Braves actually don't have the first wild card spot. The Padres do because they're behind the Dodgers. And then the Braves have the second wild card spot. And then the Brewers and the Giants are tied for the number three wild card spot. And so it's a high quality of baseball being played in the National League right now. And it looks like, to me, you're going to have to win around 90 games to make the playoffs. Um, with how this is shaping up early on, at least high 80s, but probably 90. And so the bare minimum, the Braves want to obviously make the wild card. Now, obviously, the the preference is to make the playoffs as the division winner, get one of those top two seeds to where you're Four not NL East championships in a row currently. Right, and extend that and, and to avoid the, the one-game wild card play-in, however you want to deem it. But... Um, the bare minimum is you want to at least defend your crown and, and make the playoffs. And so uh, it was a big series for that. Obviously, it sets up a big series this weekend, uh, which um, a certain left-handed hitter wearing jersey number five, who may or may not be red hot right now, yeah, comes back Sheesh. to Truist Park. Uh, but it was a very good series for Atlanta to be able to beat a quality team three out of four. You're, of course, talking about Freddie Freeman, who has homered in four, or excuse me, in three of the last four games for the LA Dodgers. And the one game he didn't homer, he just had five RBIs, a right, double, a double and a triple. And triple. Yep. Yeah. So uh, he is absolutely being productive at the plate right now. So good things taking place for Atlanta. As uh, Kevin McAlpin just tweeted a moment ago, following today's win, the Braves, 41 and 30 on the year, have trimmed six and a half games off the Mets' lead in the NL East since June 1st. New York only leads the division by just four games over the Atlanta Braves. And today's win in particular, another one of those cases being a getaway game, being that the Braves have been playing so such dominant baseball 18-3 and three in the month of June. Atlanta gave days off today to Ronald Acuna Jr., Austin Riley, and Adam Duvall and had the likes of Guillermo Heredia and Phil Gosselin and other guys step in. And, oh, yeah, we're still playing without Ozzy Albies, who broke his foot a little bit ago. So everyone really contributing offensively for Atlanta. Yeah, and I think Orlando Arcia is obviously the guy that's been most important, um, having to fill in for Albies and having a couple walk-off hits already this year, had a walk-off home run about a month ago and then had the walk-off hit. I believe it, I believe it was against the Giants. It was a Monday night against yes. the Giants to score Phil Gosselin. Yep. And, and so he, he's he been very good. Uh, you, you know, Gosselin's just playing a utility role. He's been fine in that role. Contreras has been a really pleasant surprise um, DHing and, and doing some catching this year. And it takes those type of guys because in baseball with nine lineup spots – there's a lot where you can kind of fill in for somebody else. And I think you saw that last year and how I've described that, yes, Ronald Acuna Jr., excellent player, having to replace a lot. But when you total up what Duvall and Rosario and Peterson did and Solaire for you, they met what Acuna would have done yeah. and then added some on their own. Like Acuna can't hit 82 home runs. He can't hit 190 RBIs. And what those guys did with Duvall driving in over 100, I know he wasn't a brave all season long, but he did that. And so Lair, the power, double-digit home runs in his time with Atlanta and uh, Peterson much the same. 
you you just got you kind of equaled it out. You evened it out. And so with Albies being out, I mean, well, if Arcia keeps hitting 300, then then you'll definitely meet what what you lost in Albies. But you have opportunities up and down the lineup for multiple guys to do just a little bit more than what they normally would do. And if if three or four guys do that, then they end up replacing what was a really good player. Now you've got Acuna back. He is your best player. Uh, Matt Olson has not had the home runs people thought, but he's had a lot of doubles. Um, I mean, a Tons lot. Of I, them. <laughs> I, th- I don't know if he still leads the league, but I think he, he still does. He I really was do. at one point leading the league recently. And so the thing with the Braves just is, is like, look, it doesn't have to be when you're a good team, you're not going to be impressed by just one guy. It's not going to be like, oh, well, you know, Austin Riley hit home runs. It's going to be, yeah, you know, Contreras has helped out. Yeah, Travis Darno has for a catcher hit pretty well in his opportunities. You know, yeah, Azuna has brought his power back to the equation. Not hitting a high average, but he's got double-digit homers and producing runs. And yeah, Acuna's still really damn good. You know, so it, it, it kind of all adds up. And then, obviously, I think something we also should talk about while we're talking about the Braves here for just another moment, Charlie Morton's starting to pitch better. Uh, his last three starts or so have been much, much, much better. And if that continues, I know Kyle Wright's starting to slide the other way just a little bit. But if Morton can get back to being Morton, then that's your vet, most veteran guy pitching good baseball for you. That would be a big help. And I'm going to be excited when number 40 takes the mound again for Atlanta in whatever uh, way that looks like. Obviously, he hasn't pitched in quite some time, and I'm referring to Mike Soroka, but there is a, a really good pitcher on the Brave staff that has yet to uh, debut so far this season missed all of last year when the Braves were able to win the World Series so uh, several things to look at there with Atlanta we'll go ahead and we'll take our first commercial break of today's show on the other side we celebrate some birthdays and more give us a call 334-887-3401 sports call continues in a moment We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back in. It's Sports Call, WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM. JJ Jackson happens to be my name. Ryan LaVoy is his. Brooks Childress set to join us here in just a little bit. Big day, Ryan. Big day. We've got the draft coming up a little bit later tonight, and uh, we've got a couple of Braves wins to recap. How about college baseball update for you? Yesterday, Oklahoma advanced to the National Championship Game Series. Auburn, of course, bowed out on Tuesday night. Arkansas needs to beat Ole Miss twice to advance, and the Razorbacks won. They won last night by a score of 3-2 to two over Ole Miss. 
Yeah, and I I admittedly did not get to watch much of that. I was focused on the lightning blowing game four and probably the series at Amelie Arena last night. That's another conversation. <laughs> uh, and then my secondary concern was the Braves as they came back from a ninth inning deficit. But I did kind of pay attention to it on the app for the last inning and noticed that the bases were loaded and no one out in the bottom of the ninth. And they score a run with, I want to say, like one or two out. And so the the winning run is a uh, 180 feet away, and Arkansas is able to get out of it and force a final game, which I think is everyone wants. I don't know if everyone has it. Anyone has a strong preference um, between Arkansas and Ole Miss because, well, both of them <laughs> beat Auburn. Both of them are SEC teams. Uh, there's a lot of similarities there. They're both well, well, or excuse me, well respected programs in the SEC, Arkansas probably more so, but but even Ole Miss has been really good as of late. Um, so I don't know if there's a real rooting interest there, but um, it, when there's not a rooting interest present, what do we do? We root for the most of whatever we can get. We right. root for close games. And so that's what we got last night. Um, it's a shame that Oklahoma is not yet in the SEC <laughs> because yeah. their baseball and softball programs are cooking currently. And they are waiting on the winner of this game, obviously. But um, yeah, no, I, I'm glad it's a close game. Or glad it was a close game. Something to keep an eye on in the uh, background up to the NBA draft tonight. Peter Burns was talking about that a little bit earlier, and I wanted to remind people about the fact that the Oklahoma Sooners, uh, their football team, pretty good this past season. Have the head coach Lincoln Riley, who always has them playing good football, and then also the gymnastics program won the national championship. Auburn made yeah. it to the Final Four, but Oklahoma Gymnastics won the national title. And then softball has won the national title. Baseball, two wins a win from yep. the Sooners being national champs themselves. Well, and that's why, you know, I wanted to – look, people around here, people in the South will always care most about football. Totally get that. But we talk about all the sports on this show and all the SEC sports on this show. And adding Oklahoma and Texas to this league, that's a big get for everything. That, that helps you in every way. You know, like even in basketball with what Chris Beard is trying to do at Texas, I really like Porter Moser at Oklahoma. I think he will figure it out. But even without that, Oklahoma's had some really fun teams yeah. in the last 10, 15 years when you think about Trey Young's team and Blake Griffin team and and all that when, when Law McCarron was there. So, like, like, this is a good get because the SEC is already really good in softball. Oklahoma and Texas was the championship series right. in softball. Forget the fact that Oklahoma's been this dominant program. Texas was really good this year, too. As you mentioned, in baseball, Oklahoma's in the championship series. You mentioned gymnastics, which Auburn just had its best year ever at. Something to be really proud of in Auburn. Oklahoma's what beat Auburn. <laughs> they, just won, they, just, they just won the national championship in that. So... You're adding something. Of course, you're adding the tradition and history and the money that is tied to their football programs, but you're adding complete athletic programs into this conference. And so um, I'm excited for them to come. And that's also why, you know, some people I heard, you know, wasn't the most thrilled. Maybe I'm just talking to Texas A&M people <laughs> about Oklahoma and Texas getting a league. But if they wanted to get out of the Big 12, they were going to get out of the Big 12 and they were going to join something else. And if they end up going to the Big 10, that's a huge get for the Big 10. And then all of a sudden the Big 10 is getting better in every sport. So I'm glad they're coming to this league and it was going to be hellishly difficult in all the sports. But 
I love that kind of competition. It will create a lot of exciting matchups. Here it was. It was Oklahoma softball winning a title, gymnastics winning a title, men's golf winning a title. Baseball is now in the College World Series final. Women's tennis lost the national title, finished second. Oklahoma football finished number 10 in the country. And then our women's basketball program was top 25. Dang. Boomer sooner yeah. uh, with, with what's Sound, going on there with Oklahoma. Sounds like they got Texas beat. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So we will see Arkansas and Ole Miss. That game actually started right now. It's going. It's in progress. Three oh, o'clock first pitch to get uh, out for of the way one. for the draft. Yeah. Yes, to get out of the way for the draft to take place. And then uh, you mentioned last night the chaos, the close there for Arkansas. Their closer is named Zach Morris. And a lot of people making a, a, a pun there with the main character of Saved by the Bell. His character name was Zach Morris, played, of course, by Mark Paul Gosselaar. But with uh, Zach Morris saving the bell, saving the day for the Razorbacks last night to pick up that big win. All right, before we get to our guest, Jonathan Hoppy of WTVM News Leader 9, let's uh, take a look at our birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. All right. By the way, going to the second inning, no score, 0-0 between Arkansas and Ole Miss. Uh, Right now, LaSalle Thompson is turning 61, a former NBA center who was drafted fifth overall in the 1982 draft by the Kansas City Kings out of Texas, the NCAA rebounding leader in 1982, an assistant coach for the Charlotte Bobcats from 2008 until 2010, and New York Knicks 2012 to 2014. He was an assistant coach. Cameron Artis Payne, 32 years old, former NFL and Auburn running back, drafted in the fifth round of the 2015 NFL Draft to the Carolina Panthers. First team All-SEC in 2014. A 1,600-rushing-yard season when he was with the Auburn Tigers in 2014 with 13 rushing touchdowns. Led the SEC in rushing yards in 2014. Cameron Artis Payne turns 32 years old. LaDainian Tomlinson turns 43, a former NFL running back. Drafted fifth overall in the 01 NFL Draft by the San Diego Chargers. The league MVP in 2006, including being the Offensive Player of the Year in 06. Three-time first-team All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler. Three years, he led the NFL in rushing touchdowns in 2004, 2006, and 2007. An NFL rushing scoring leader in 2006. LaDainian Tomlinson had 28 rushing touchdowns in 06. That's good reason why you're the league MVP. He's 43 years old today. And then finally, Antonio Gibson, 24 years old, a current running back for the Washington Commanders, drafted in the third round of the 2020 NFL Draft out of Memphis. The first rookie since Randy Moss to score three touchdowns on Thanksgiving and the first running back on the same day to rush for over 100 yards and three scores since Barry Sanders in 1997. LaSalle Thompson, 61. Cameron Artis Payne, 32 years old. LaDainian Tomlinson is 43. And Antonio Gibson turns 24. There you go. If it's your birthday today, we want to wish you a very happy birthday. Uh, that was... Uh... Uh, we just got a call from Luke from Alex City. I don't have quite enough time because we got to go to Jonathan Hoppy here, but he was uh, wanting to pass along. The game was originally scheduled for tonight in the College World Series. They moved it up because of weather. Ah, So nothing to do with the NBA draft or scheduling there. Um, they expect storms around 8 or 9 o'clock in the area. And 
That's a good well, decision yeah. then by the NCAA. Yeah. Well, get, you know, I, that's a big game that you got to get in. That's why I was I wasn't paying attention because I, I I figured it would have been at night, and I I wasn't thinking they'd you know roll out the red carpet that much for the NBA draft. I mean, it's a huge deal. Not trying to discredit it. Uh, but then when you said it was three, I was like, oh, I guess they are. <laughs> but uh, good to know that it was supposed to be there uh, at, at night tonight as well. But uh, weather pushed that up. It yeah. looked good idea because we don't need to be sitting around, give everybody a day off tomorrow, and then come back Saturday for the championship series. And Luke from Alex City giving us an assist right there. We appreciate that and appreciate the phone call. You can call and chat with us just after our guest joins us because coming up next, our good buddy Jonathan Hoppy from WTVM News Leader 9. He joins the show. That's coming up next here on Sports Call. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call on WT or excuse me, WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM. I almost threw out the call letters of our next guest. WTVM Newsleader 9 is uh, where Jonathan Hoppy works, and he's kind enough to join us here on the program. I've got Ryan Lavoy and Brooks Childress here with us. We always talk about people can't ever see us, Brooks. Right? Like when we're doing this radio show, you can't physically see what we're doing. That's yeah. why we have to speak. That's right. And here I am thinking we're on WTVM ourselves. I, I was looking for the cameras. <laughs> yeah, anyway. like, I was like, where do are we you? look okay today? I don't. <laughs> don't I, I've can, got I can hide in this corner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, let's take this opportunity now to go to our phone lines. And joining us on the program here is Jonathan Hoppy from WTVM Newsleader 9. Hoppy, how are you, man? Hey, JJ. Hope all you guys are doing well. Hope you're wearing your Sunday best, too. We might have to get you guys on TV here in a few <laughs> <Yeah>. hours. <laughs> we might be ready to rock and roll if that were to be the case. Hey, we got a lot to uh, to talk about here on the planes because uh, a lot of news is happening this time of year, which is a good difference, a good change of pace. Uh, the Auburn baseball team, what a run they had all the way to the College World Series. Were you as surprised as the rest of us that they were able to put a run like this together? I think you have to be. You know, when it came out that they were hosting a regional, I felt like that was kind of a surprise. And I felt like people across the SEC, maybe there were some other teams thinking they might have been more worthy. But at the end of the day, right, Auburn proves the committee correct. And I think the theme here, guys, is this program clearly does not get enough credit for the type of players and just in general the type of product it puts out there making it now to the College World Series two out of three years. Every year we go into baseball season, Auburn's never really hyped up, or at least as I've been following over the last few seasons. They just sort of do okay. They get hot. But if you can produce like they have at the tail end of the season, that's all that matters. And, of course, you want them to make it further in Omaha, but at least they won a game. And to make it there is a huge accomplishment If you're Butch Thompson right now, you've got to be feeling great. 
and I am sure that's helping with recruiting. And Butch Thompson is such an easy guy to root for. He's so kind and so passionate about what he does and truly loves each and every one of his players. He's got a terrific coaching staff being put together. And then you've got great players on top of all of this. And the pitching staff really came into form this season. But Hoppy, as you look at the Auburn Tigers and knowing what you do, right, and you're on television and you want to show highlights and personality and characters, Auburn certainly had an absolute superstar this past season and Sonny Deshera, who was never afraid of those cameras himself and always uh, performed at the best in the biggest moments. Sonny was terrific. We were actually <laughs> brainstorming early in the season, hey, what kind of stories can we do about this team? You know, we're going out, previewing the game, doing some live shots on a Friday night in the spring, and Sonny D was right at the top of the list early on. I, I think just like you said, it's just that personality. Anytime you can couple a personality with the talent that he has, and then he's got a great story, too, just how he's blossomed recently. Everybody can get behind that. And everybody was behind him all season. In Omaha, he was clearly the headliner for this team, and unfortunately, not even he could do enough uh, to overcome that 11-1 loss, which eliminated them. But you feel really good. He's somebody that represents Auburn well. And I think Bruce Pearl was talking about it the other day in a presser, You've got Suni Lee. You've got Sonny D, Jabari Smith. I mean, the list goes on and on. Tank Bigsby of guys who represent the university. And overall, you got to feel great about that as an athletic department, just to have some, some good student athletes representing your school. Sonny D right there at the top of the list. Jonathan, you kind of mentioned it a little bit uh, earlier in one of your earlier statements, but I wanted to get your full take on the, the coaching job that Butch Thompson and that staff did this year. They were picked to finish last in the SEC West, end up in Omaha, winning a game in Omaha. Just, just talk about that coaching staff, what a job they did this year. Butch is just so steady, and I was driving to Auburn a few months ago, right before the season, and he was actually on with you guys. I was listening in as he was kind of talking about the preseason practice and whatnot. He's not a guy that's going to put some huge expectations on his program, but what he is going to do is get the most out of them. And we've seen that year after year. And it's some about his approach, how he's so even-keeled, how he can really relate to his guys and get his message across in a certain way. You've really got to respect that. And then, of course, you add Tim Hudson as a pitching coach. Does it get any better than that to have a former player, a former great with the Braves out there, someone who knows all there is to know about pitching. Obviously, he gets a ton of the headlines, but it all starts with Butch Thompson and just his demeanor. It's not hard to see why they were so successful again this year. And Jonathan, we talk about the, the team success that some of Auburn's teams had this year, but we, we mentioned Sonny share and some of the great individual athletes that you also brought up. And, and tonight's a big night for one of those, two of those guys, uh, with Walker Kessler and then Jabari Smith. Jabari Smith potentially going first overall. What stood out to you about covering him this season? He's just so good. Uh, he, he is so good. If Chet Holmgren is taken before him tonight, that will be an all-time bad decision by the Orlando Magic. There is just no way they can select him. How could you pass on Jabari Smith, modern-day NBA? He's a long player. You can switch him on defense. He can shoot the three. He does it all. And when you look at his body type, it's so clear that he is the furthest thing 
from a finished product. 18, 19 years old. Can you imagine what he's going to look like at 22, even just a few years down the road? I think he's going to be a huge difference maker for the Orlando Magic. Um, you know, maybe you could make the case for Paulo Banquero with Duke. I could see that a little bit more. No way Chet is taken up. I can't say that for sure, but if I'm putting my GM hat on, which I love to do, by the way, I love the <laughs> NBA draft. There is so much that can happen tonight. The Hornets could make a trade. JJ, that's yeah. our team. That's what I'm interested in, to see all the other pieces. And then you've got a boatload of talent that is going to enter the league and, and will be following for many years. Walker Kessler obviously deserves a ton of credit. Coming over from North Carolina, having a huge season. Bruce Pearl did a great job developing him, so he should be a first-round pick as well. Another headliner for Auburn, first-ever top pick, and then you've got two in the first round. Guys, if we could just get the football team to win more than six games, this would be uh, one heck of a deal they've got going here under Alan Green. No kidding. I mean, good things are happening for sure. The draft is absolutely one of my favorite nights. And uh, if Jabari does go number one, Auburn joins LSU and UCLA as the only schools to have the number one pick in baseball, basketball, and football. Auburn's had several football players go number one overall, most recently Cam Newton. Casey Mize, the number one pick back in 2018 by the Detroit Tigers, and now Jabari Smith as well on his way. You briefly mentioned Walker Kessler, though, Hoppy. I want a little bit more on Kessler because you talk about someone who absolutely loves the fans. You're at the basketball games. You notice that after the fact, uh, Kessler is taking pictures with every single person that wants to take a picture with him, although he's practiced out of frame in all of them because he's so big. Uh, but just talk a little bit more about Kessler for us. Well, he's more of a unique prospect in the modern-day NBA. He can shoot the three not quite as well as Jabari Smith. He can play out on the perimeter. But as we know, his bread and butter is protecting the basket. So when you look at the NBA, they put a premium right now on bigs who can get out, space the floor, and also protect the rim. Now, how well his game translates to the NBA, that's more of a question mark, and that's why he's not going to be a top-ten pick. That's why he's going to be a little bit later on. But we've seen a number of guys make a big impact in this league that have been selected in the back end of the first round and, of course, in the middle of the first round as well. I'm interested to see how that plays out. I think he's got a spot. I think he's got to continue to grow. He's a bit older He's got to really sharpen up that three-point shooting. That's the key. Any player that comes in with not an undefined role because you know what he's going to do protecting the basket and ultimately blocking a lot of shots. If he can take his three-point shooting and raise it to an even higher level than it is now, that's his ticket. And that's why he would be around for years and years in the NBA. Can he do it? We'll see. No reason to believe he can't just based on – how much he transformed this year on the plate. So Auburn looking to have two first-round picks this year. A lot of NBA franchises have two first-round picks this year, including your Charlotte Hornets at number 13 <laughs> and number 15. So, Hoppy, what do you want to see Charlotte do at, at, with 13 and 15? You know, they need a rim protector really bad. Uh, is it Walker Kessler? Probably not, based on – all the mocks and and just the eye test with some of these guys, I think it'd be hard to take him at 15 and certainly 13. But 
try to get the best available is, is generally, I think, the way you should go in the middle of the first round. You're not going to get that cornerstone starter unless you really hit at a high level. Um, but we could see them maybe trade out of one of those spots. Rumors today that Steve Clifford could be brought back as the head coach. There's been a ton of blowback about that, and I just want to get on the record. I think it would be great to give, get Steve Clifford back, and I feel like no one is on the island with me. Uh, a defensive-minded coach has a lot of history with, with a lot of different teams and was a good coach for the Magic. They just couldn't decide what they were doing and ultimately canned him because they were going for that rebuild even further. Uh, and he's a guy that's built to win. So that with this roster, I, I think it would be great. JJ, where do you follow that? See, I, I'm Team Clifford for sure. Oh, uh, but no, yeah. no, listen to me. Listen to me. Let me let me give defense here. I'm Team Clifford for sure. But these guys have told me or have heard me say all the time, Hoppy. I am still just mind blown that Borrego was let go. I never thought that should have been the move whatsoever. So in a way, I'm going to be hurt whoever it is because I still feel like Borrego should be roaming oh, the sidelines man. there for the Hornets. I wish this was a Charlotte Hornets show. I could go <laughs> on for days. Now, I know nobody listening cares, so I'm going to hold it Well, in, the guys in my studio do, so I, go ahead. Let's hear this. The Let me hear you. The bottom line is, if a coach, I'll make this broad here. If you're in the playoffs, which Borrego was back-to-back years in a play-in game, and your team gets boat raced, absolutely run out of the gym two years in a row, that is a terrible look as a coach and someone who's trying to lead a group to the next level. I know that is very micro for, for a sport that he's done a lot of good things, developed a lot of guys, but I do think you just needed a different voice in there uh, just based on lack of competition and, and some big moments and, and kind of fading at the end of the season. But there's all sorts of problems. Um, but I, I do think that was the, the right move. Some of my friends wanted him fired a year or two ago. Uh, I wasn't so sure about that, but I, I think they need a change, and, and that's what they've done. I, I know Charlotte was technically 10th this year. They were over 500, uh, so this is not like a – take Charlotte out of the equation type deal because I think if you get over 500 you have an argument but Hoppy what I, I don't I don't even really like the play-in I, I know that a lot of people enjoy the the one game mentalities and we're starting to do this more and more in sports we do it in baseball now with the wild card playoffs and that sort of thing but I, I kind of hate that we now have teams because if you look in the Western Conference the 34 and 48 San Antonio Spurs got a chance to try and play their way into the playoffs. So what, do you like the play it? Is this a good thing for the NBA? Well, it makes them a lot of money. And unfortunately, and that's something we always talk about, unfortunately that's going to drive the boat and that's going to lead us to where we're going to go. And, and we've seen that all across the board. I think we'll see that with college football, with an expanded playoff, you know, just because – there's so much money to be had. So I do think it waters stuff down. I mean, hey, I'm a fan of, of limiting the schedule a little bit. Let's cut back some. And, and if we're going to have guys taking nights off uh, on a back-to-back when one game's even at home, maybe we should cut back on that. But we know that's not going to happen. I don't really like it, no. I think it, it, it makes it interesting, but... At the end of the day, you're working to be a 7 or 8 seed, and you're probably just going to get smacked away anyway. Um, so that's kind of a problem that the league has in general. 
Hoppy, I'm just saying 23 wins a season ago, 33 last year, 43 this year. I mean, double-digit win improvements hey, the last few if seasons. If you want to go deep, Mike Dunlap took a team from seven wins to 21 wins. <laughs> yeah. My guy never got a shot. He got yeah. canned after one year. I guess that he was ahead of his times with that zone defense there. And uh, <laughs> Brendan Haywood, man in the middle. I mean, yeah. give the guy some credit. <laughs> no, you're exactly right about that. Well, look, I will be with these two guys this evening for draft festivities so you be sure to text me and we'll we'll message back and forth on how charlotte goes from here let me close with this jonathan hoppy's joining us here from wtvm news leader nine what does excite you most about the upcoming year for auburn football i can't wait to see how brian harson responds yeah because this has been such a weird off season and at one point you think he's going to be gone and then he gets back and now he's sort of cruising, right? He's sort of gained popularity based on what's happened and the fact that he stayed around. So how does he respond, and what happens when the going gets tough? They've got all those home games to start. Well, what if they lose one that they're not supposed to lose? What does this turn into? Because as we know, in the off season, everybody's approval rating is high. If you can survive the postseason sort of exit meetings, and, and you can get past it. Well, all is great right now because if you're a big Auburn fan, Brian Harson's your guy, and you want him to do great this year because you want to do great things. But if things get rough again, which they very well could, by the way, what happens next? And this is a huge year for him. He is not out of the woods yet. And I think he'd tell you that. He knows what's up in the SEC. You've got to win games. So so can he win games? I mean, that's what it comes down to. Is this, is this team going to win eight or nine games? How many games are they going to win? And it sounds really simple, but there is a lot at stake, especially when you when you look at Georgia and Alabama uh, and the, uh, the pass they're on. I guess it's good they missed out on Arch Manning for Auburn, but uh, they've still got some work to do themselves. So... We'll see what they can do. That's the voice of Jonathan Hoppy from WTVM Newsleader 9. You could follow him on Twitter at jahop 23 Hoppy, we all got to get together. You, you and my guys here on the staff and enjoy a meal together I'm at in. some point. I'll let you know that you are absolutely appointment television for Brooks and his fiance. Every night they're trying to watch uh, WTVM to see what the news looked like and to see what the sports report is going to look like. And they're not the only ones here in the listening area that do us. So over the next few weeks, people want to know what can they enjoy for sports entertainment and that sort of thing. Give a plug for all the things you guys are covering this time of year over there at WTVM, Jonathan. Yeah, this is a weird time of year because we're transitioning sort of to football season. I actually just booked all the stuff for the SEC media days. I did that today. Isn't that hard to believe? Yeah. It's only like four weeks away that we'll all be in Atlanta, and I can't wait for that, by the way. Yeah. So just getting ready for that, and then we've got the Columbus Lions, the Columbus Chattahoots, so we get your summer baseball fix, and and just sort of get ready for football. I mean, that's what it is. And in the meantime, we'll try to find some, some local stories that, that we can tell in a time that we actually have a moment to stop and say, hey, what's going on here? What's going on there? Because as we all know, once we get to football, the, the stuff is, is all kind of done for you. But tune in tonight. We'll have a nice draft preview at 6-5 Central and uh, tell you exactly what you need to know about 
Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler, just like we've been doing here, guys. Perfect. We appreciate the time. We'll do this again soon, Hoppy, okay? All right, guys. Have a good one. Thanks. Uh, That's Jonathan Hoppy from WTVM News Leader 9, and he's joining us here on our Auburn Bank phone line. Terrific stuff from him, as uh, he's always someone that's fun for us to catch up with, to swap conversation ideas back and forth talk draft ideas today on the program and a whole lot more so uh really appreciated him chatting with us there i didn't know brooks you're such a huge fan and religious watcher yeah pretty cool (laughs) yeah i keep up with the news you do that's what i'm saying okay maybe it's not every single night yeah it's not every single night have you ever seen him pop up on your television before yes yes okay have we have we done the meeting in person with Hoppy before? I, I don't want to bring that story up. I do remember that story. I don't want to okay, bring that story up. Okay, I do up. remember that story. I was present. Yes, I remember that story. I was in the vicinity. Yes. Fun fact, when my parents came in town last week, and they, they watched uh, WTVM, and uh, they saw Jonathan Hoppy, and they, they said, hey, that's who you, you guys talk to from time Heck to time. Heck yeah, that's awesome. And now we talk to him again today. So uh, we've got that going on for us as well. Brooks, Yeah. Uh, we take a look at uh, things coming up. We're going to have Ben Golliver with the Washington Post joining us here on the show in just a little bit to preview so, tonight's NBA draft festivities. So what we're saying is if you're not an NBA fan out there, we're sorry yeah. for today's show. <laughs> uh, but that's what today is. In the past, we've done full mock drafts before, and I'm going to spare people oh, from that today. I was but, that. Uh, but we will have I a did fun my research. conversation. You were ready for that yeah, part of it. I was it. going to take Jaden Oh, I'm just going to take J- You were upset with that. I was going to take uh, Jaden Ivey with the th- second overall pick. You sure you don't want me to get Nikola v- uh, Jovic or <laughs> Jovic or whatever his last name is? Vukovic. Uh, he is a tantalizing prospect. I think it's Jovic, right? J-O-V-I-C, yeah. correct. Yeah. I, I hope Denver drafts him. Please. Please have a Jokic and Jovic there. I would feel sorry for their broadcast. Oh, it'd be terrible. It would be absolutely terrible. All right, well, we get set to wrap up our hour of Sports Call here today, and we will have a conversation coming up with Ben Golliver from the Washington Post here on Sports Call. Having some technical difficulties uh, at the station, but we hope to get that working in just a few minutes with our commercials and everything. Going to chat with Ben Golliver the Washington Post in just a few minutes at the top of the hour. And he's going to talk about the conclusion of the 2022 NBA season and the immediate progression into the offseason. Tonight's NBA draft, also free agency this offseason and this summer. And obviously looking forward to that conversation and to the draft tonight, something that I think people in Auburn have not been very accustomed to in recent years of caring, the, caring about the NBA draft and what it has in store tonight because not only will the interest be in who goes number one and if that is indeed Jabari Smith to Orlando, but also where Walker Kessler goes. He had the opportunity to accept an invitation to the green room tonight, and so he will be in Brooklyn and very excited to be represented by by both those guys as of course Jabari Smith as a one and done freshman had a tremendous season then Walker Kessler the transfer out of North Carolina somebody that Bruce Pearl and staff worked very hard to get out of high school was ultimately able to get uh, in the transfer portal out of North Carolina and so two first round selections anticipated for the Auburn Tigers Kessler's Mock is a little harder than Jabari's, obviously, if Jabari doesn't go one. 
he will go two or three, and that will be the end of that. But Walker Kessler, you could see him go as early as about 20 or so, I feel. Uh, maybe 18, 19 might be in play. And then somewhere at the very end of the first round, still around 29 or 30, his name could show up. I think he'll be gone, though, by the end of the first round. So it's going to be a really exciting night and something to keep an eye on and really excited about that opportunity for those two guys and, and something to look forward to. And then if you're an NBA fan, you have free agency starting in just a few days, already seeing news on, on Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant and the way the Brooklyn organization can kind of work here and how that could reshape the NBA, honestly, when you're talking about someone of the status of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. It's not just about reshaping Brooklyn. If Kyrie ends up leaving – then you're looking in a situation where Kevin Durant could very well end up leaving J.J. as well. So, I mean, uh, that with the draft, I mean, this NBA offseason, it just always – it never disappoints. Some would say it's more entertaining than the regular season in the <laughs> NBA uh, with, with how this offseason stuff is manufactured. And it never stops, and that's so uh, that's certainly the case. And someone that can speak to that very well is a really good friend of the program. We're excited to go back to the Auburn Bank Fund line. We've talked to him for years now at this point. But Ben Golliver, he writes for the Washington Post. He can be followed on Twitter, at Ben Golliver, and he joins us now here on the show. Ben, the time is always greatly appreciated and we've got an actual NBA conversation here to have with you in Auburn Alabama today with everybody trying to watch Jabari Smith tonight thanks for the time Ben and welcome into the show oh it's my pleasure guys I I kid you not I just got here at a Barclays Center in Brooklyn New York for the draft and what did I see outside on the sidewalk except for four Auburn fans head to toe in the orange (laughs) and blue they had basketball then they were trying to wait maybe get a chance to see Jabari Smith maybe get his autograph or something uh, it was, uh, you know, a nice, warm Tiger welcome. We're counting down till, till the first pick goes forward, and a lot of people do believe Jabari's going to be that first selection going to the Orlando Magic. I know there's been a lot of uh, sports books and betting odds switch in favor of Paula Bancaro coming out of Duke, but Ben, give us the rundown for Jabari Smith and his likelihood of, of going number one. I think he's going number one personally. I mean, he seems like he's been the strong favorite for a while. He fits exactly what Orlando needs in terms of a guy who's going to give you offense, a guy who can shoot the basketball. They've really struggled both as a team offense and then also just, you know, generating three-pointers, hitting three-pointers. It's been kind of a problem. He's also just a really modern player. I mean, you you look at the two-way impact, uh, his motor on defense, his versatility in terms of guarding multiple positions, the shooting ability that I mentioned, no character question, son of a former player. I mean, he just seems like kind of a safe number one pick, not a lot of questions. You can easily imagine him playing in the kind of fast and free-flowing finals like we just saw between Golden State and Boston. You know, fast forward five years, I think Jabari Smith could be in that mix. So I do think he's going to be the number one pick. I got a chance to spend a little bit of time around these lottery guys yesterday, and his body, his frame, it pops, man, even next to all these guys who are going to be top ten picks. He's big, he's long, you can tell he's going to be able to add some strength, um, and he's got a nice smile too, which doesn't hurt the uh, magic. They're trying to sell tickets and sell jerseys, and I think he's going to be a very marketable player. 
And, and of course, as you mentioned, Ben, there's going to be a lot of Auburn fans really excited about Jabari Smith going first overall. There's going to be some instant Orlando Magic fans assuming that he does. I shouldn't say he will. He, assuming he does go number one. For those that become instant Orlando Magic fans tonight, what is the roster situation? Uh, what is the outlook? Obviously, all these teams picking down the lottery have had rough seasons as of late, but uh, what, what kind of roster does Orlando have, assuming they take Jabari Smith? And I'll bring it full circle, Ben, because the, one of the first times we talked to you was right after Chuma Okiki made his <laughs> debut in the NBA. And so there's already one Auburn guy there, but yeah, catch us up to speed on Orlando right now. Well, I was going to say, you know, I put it this way. Auburn football's had a better decade than Orlando <laughs> Magic, all right? I mean, they've really been kind of adrift ever since Dwight Howard left. You'll remember he went to the Los Angeles Lakers, that big move. It just didn't really work out. Ever since he left, they've been kind of adrift. They've been looking to have a franchise player, and they've really just been cycling the pieces. They keep having bad lottery luck where maybe they're drafting one or two spots behind where the big names go. Like, they just barely missed out on Joel Embiid that year, and they had a couple other close misses. So what they're hoping for from Jabari Smith is he's going to be the tentpole player, right? He's going to be the guy that you build everything around. And in terms of their roster, they do have a number of young players, you know, taken in recent lotteries and, and recent drafts that you could kind of put around them. You know, they're waiting on Jonathan Isaac. He's a real high-level defensive player. He's been injured these last couple of years, but he should be back to start next season. Um, they've got Wendell Carter Jr. Um, he's a, you know, a center in the middle. They got their last year's lottery pick is Jalen Suggs, and, and he really struggled as a rookie. He had some injury issues, but he played great at Gonzaga. I'm sure you guys remember his freshman year. He hit that crazy half-court shot in the tournament, got a lot of people excited. He's a very cerebral point guard. So what I think you're going to see is a core developing probably between Suggs and uh, Jabari Smith, Wendell Carter Jr. That's going to kind of be their core, and then they're going to have to kind of figure out who else can they get stick. Now, it's a tricky spot in Orlando because they, they don't really attract a ton of free agents, right? And so they're going to try to build this thing very gradually through the draft. So don't be surprised if there's a year or two of struggles as they let Jabari Smith get up to speed, you know, kind of give him you know, plenty of leash to do what he wants to do as a rookie and in his second year as they try to get some other young talent around him. And then also, Ben, want to obviously ask you about the other projected first-round pick for Auburn, Walker Kessler, and, and what kind of team, what kind of need will he fill for a team? And, and just his style of play as a center has been uh, – it seems like it's been moving in the direction of just kind of defensive rim protectors and not worrying as much about the offense. Ben, so talk about what teams kind of look for in the draft in, in when they take a big guy. Well, it's funny. I mean, when you get to the playoffs and, and those seven-footers that are kind of paint-bound who are hitting the glass and uh, maybe they're not as quite as mobile or they're not three-point shooters and stuff like that, those guys tend to fall by the wayside, right? But what the NBA executives will tell you is that 82-game seasons, a long season, and you don't want to be playing small ball centers. You don't want to be playing guys like Draymond Green at center for six or seven months straight because those guys are going to get injured. So what they're looking for, it's kind of like the baseball pitchers they call the innings eaters, right? Like the guys who could just kind of get you towards the end of the game. Uh, you know, a lot of teams are looking for big centers who can play defense, who can man the paint, who can finish around the rim and just kind of buy you some time during that regular season and kind of keep the minutes and keep the tough load um, off of maybe your most athletic players. So uh, I know a lot of people wanted to say a few years ago the center is dead in the NBA. That's not quite true. You know, there's still a number of centers who are operating at a very high level. Heck, the MVP, Nikola Jokic, is a center, right, this year, and the runner-up was uh, Joel Embiid. So I'm not going to compare Walker Kessler to those guys, but I do think there's still a role for guys like him. 
Um, and certainly he should be uh, he should be coveted on draft night. Both Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith Jr. will be in the green room tonight for the NBA draft. Ben, not that you need any help whatsoever identifying those guys, but they're going to be some of the tallest human <laughs> beings in the Barclays Center tonight. Well, like I told you, I got a chance to spend a little bit of time around those guys. Uh, you know, yesterday, I mean, they were doing some nice community service events. They were uh, packaging up some like community service, uh, you know, gift bags for local people in need here, and then also teaching kind of a basketball camp. And it was funny, uh, you know, Jabari Smith was out there with Chet Holmgren, and they're on the court. And I kind of felt like they wanted to go one on one a little bit. They didn't, but I kind of thought, hey, maybe these guys are going to, uh, you know, show us a little something. But they kept it to just some uh, light shooting and, and some joking around. <laughs> and they seem like they're very loose, very happy. And I'll tell you what, man, these guys are getting mopped. You know, coming in and out of their hotel in Midtown Manhattan. I mean, you're not too far away from Times Square. That's a busy part of the country, right? And these guys are, are having fans kind of like running down the street after them, trying to get a picture, trying to get a, a high five, whatever it might be. So it's been a fun scene here in New York. It's Ben Golliver with the Washington Post joining us here as we start to wrap our conversation here with him. Ben, obviously a lot of the basketball world right now has their eyes there on Brooklyn, not only for the NBA draft, but the future of Kyrie Irving. What's going on there? What can you tell us? Uh, does it feel like he's going to be playing for Brooklyn this upcoming season? Well, look, Kyrie Irving did a classic thing. He overplayed his hand. You know, he thought that he was sort of like on this ownership level where he got to make decisions along with the front office. And that's how he was talking at the end of the season. Oh, I'm going to be back in Brooklyn. You know, I'm just going to sit down and have some conversations with uh, Sean Marks and, and owner Joe Sy. He's addressing these guys as first names, like as if they're buddy-buddy. It's like, <laughs> you know, newsflash, you know, you're, you're one member of this team and, and everybody in the NBA eventually is replaceable. And he created so many problems and so many headaches and just made life miserable for a lot of people last year because he wasn't out there on the court every single night, right? And so I think that he is realizing, like, look, you know, um, they're not just going to back up the Brinks truck and give you every last dollar that you want. You're going to have to negotiate here. You might even have to sacrifice in terms of how much money you're taking or how long you're signing a contract for. And I think that's probably been a rude awakening for him. He's been used to being a max guy his entire NBA career, and so I think he's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like a cold splash of water on his face, right? Now, where does this go? Well, we'll see. I mean, Brooklyn, if they can't keep Kyrie Irving, they, they, they can't keep Kevin Durant happy, what do they have left? I mean, that's a terrible team. The whole thing goes up in smoke, right? So I think Kyrie's got a little bit of leverage, too. But I'll say this, as long as Kevin Durant would be okay with it, and you'd have to sit down and talk to him, I think the Nets would be better off without Kyrie Irving. He was such a distraction last year. He prevented them from getting any kind of chemistry and rhythm during the regular season, if I was the Nets, I would think long and hard about just walking away from the table and saying, good luck, go ahead, go sign with the Lakers, go sign with whoever else you want to sign with. Um, we're, gonna, we're getting out of the Kyrie Irving business. Do I think that's going to happen? I'm not sure. It's usually not quite that clean. It's usually uh, a lot of money involved, and certainly Kyrie Irving gets people to tune in and gets people to buy jerseys, but... I don't think he was worth it. You know, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze last year with Kyrie Irving. Well, we'll certainly see how it all plays out, and we know who to follow for all that coverage and information. Ben, your time is always greatly appreciated. Do us a favor. Tell us how Bubble Ball is doing. That's a conversation we've had in the past, uh, promoting your book about your experience living in the NBA bubble there in 2020, and where can people find your work in the book in particular? Well, I appreciate you asking about it. It's amazing. It's been almost two years since the NBA bubble. Time flies. It probably feels <laughs> like 20 years, to be honest. But uh, the book's called Bubble Ball. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, really kind of anywhere you buy books. And it's my, my uh, personal trip through 93 days staying at Disney World and 
following that Lakers title run and the Milwaukee Bucks protest and everything in between. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. You know, I talk a lot about the Celtics in that book because they made the conference finals, and I was saying, hey, if these guys grow up, maybe they're going to have a chance to get to the finals, maybe win a title one day. They came pretty darn close, <laughs> but the Warriors took care of business. But it is fun. If you're a real basketball fan, it's a nice snapshot into what life was like in 2020 when we had so many questions about the world. Thanks for the time today, Ben. We'll catch up again soon, okay? All right, gentlemen, take care and have fun tonight, huh? Absolutely. That's Ben Golliver with the Washington Post joining us there on the program. So we know that Bruce Pearl will be in the green room tonight with Jabari Smith Jr. and Walker Kessler, who will be on hand. And now Ben Golliver has told us he will be there live as well. Really good stuff catching up with him and talking NBA. Yeah, no, I think that with uh, with the excitement, it was funny. He's already seen some Auburn fans in, yeah. in Brooklyn. And like, like I said, you know, that's why I asked the question, you know, to be fair, I, I, I kind of forgot about Schumann for just a second. There would been a good reason to be Orlando-specific fan, not forgetting about Schumann's impact at Auburn, obviously, and the fact that he did get drafted. But, yeah, that would be the same team for those two. Um, but, but certainly, again, you know, this is somebody that you're – really thinking can change an organization. I mean, you don't take someone first, second, third, even without the assumption that they can really be your franchise player. Um, and so because, because look, also when you're that bad of a team, you're not guaranteed um, because of the lottery, you're not guaranteed to pick here. You know, you can be the worst team in the sport and pick third or fourth, you know? Yeah. And so – it is an opportunity that you're not necessarily going to see again, even if you do suck for the next few years. And so you got to get this right. And I, I think they'll be right. Now, I, I don't think that Bancaro or Holmgren will necessarily bust. Me personally, my board would be Jabari 1, Bancaro 2, Holmgren 3. I'm just getting nervous that Holmgren's such the skinny person that feels like if he gets run into one time, he might, might have an injury. But, you know, I, I think that all these guys – will be good if healthy. And I just think that Jabari's fluidity at the top of the key, uh, his ability already to jump shoot, to be so tall, I think, honestly, if he if he can unlock the best version of himself in the NBA, it will be because he got better at taking it to the basket. You know, as someone that tall and big, you know, he's a little skinny, could add a little bit of muscle, but someone that big and that fast is going to have – opportunities especially given that he is going to be a good shooter he's going to have opportunities to pump fake and drive and what he does with those pump fake and drives could be the difference in him being a good and great player so i i think that uh it's really exciting night for auburn people exciting nights obviously for the auburn program and then uh really excited for everybody in the community to, to care this much about an nba draft yeah and then just for context part of that too because you know not many people care about the league you and i have loved the nba since the day we met one another and we loved it before we had met one another ryan but we're trying to find ways to talk about it a little bit on sports call all of a sudden chuma okiki goes number one overall and we were able to get ben Golliver, not number one overall goes first round and it's auburn's first first round pick in 15 20 years and that's when we were able to connect with ben Golliver for the first time and here we are now talking about an auburn player that could potentially be the number one overall pick and some of the irony is that unfortunately jabari is a similar position to chuma okiki so yeah okiki you know orlando would have to do some funky things I think Auburn people would be just 
in cloud nine if they ever see Smith and Okiki lineups together. Uh, but they kind of play, like I said, a similar position. And somebody else that, that played truly well for Orlando last year, Franz Wagner, is another type of guy that's like a four, five, three hybrid. And, and, and so Orlando's going to have a lot of long, lanky players. That, that's just something that they've loved. It was going to kind of be that way no matter who they picked. You know, Holmgren's this lanky 7-1 dude that's a center, and Jabari's a 16 guy that can shoot as well as anybody in the draft. So they, they were always going to be picking someone to add to their long, lanky tendencies. But uh, they're certainly going to have a lot of three fours and fives, and they're going to have, you know, whoever, you know, whoever is going to be making those lineup decisions they're going to have a lot of sorting out to do, and someone's about to lose a lot of minutes really quickly here. We have got to uh, take a break here. We want to thank Ben Golliver from the Washington Post for joining us on the program, and uh, grateful to have our uh, computer back up and operational here. No more technical difficulties to be had. Let's take a timeout, though, a little bit of a longer pause as we got to catch up on some bills to pay. Alongside Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress, my name is J.J. Jackson. We will be back momentarily as you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning sports talk show. This is Sports Call on WT. GZ Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Back on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, J.J. Jackson alongside Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress on this Thursday. It's an NBA Draft Thursday. Good conversations with Jonathan Hoppy and Ben Golliver from the Washington Post. Jonathan Hoppy from WTVM News Leader 9. Brooks, how you feeling? Good. Yeah? Good. Yeah. What about this? All right. Because you weren't with us right at the start of the show. That's correct. I was working. But... Since we last had a program, yeah, the Braves have played two baseball games and they won both of them. Yeah, both by one run. One was less dramatic of a of a win than the other. But the Braves kind of got up uh, in the second game. The the second game of those two today got up big, and then uh, San Francisco kind of clawed their way back and you know scratched their way back to a one run game. But um, yeah, it, it it good good series for the Braves. You're going up against a team in the uh, San Francisco Giants that are they're they're a factor in that uh nl west um they were a factor last year they've got some good pieces on that team and i would expect to see them at least in the playoff hunt at the end of the year very very close to it if not making the playoffs as one of those wild card teams i don't think they're going to unseat the dodgers like they did last year um but you know that it's a good series especially going into uh speaking of the dodgers going into a weekend where you play the dodgers um you got that confidence there you got three out of four wins there and so, if you uh, you go if you win one over the weekend, 
um, against the Dodgers, you've got a above 500 week, and that's a great one, a great, great finish or great week, especially against these two NLS teams that you've got coming in. Speaking of baseball, uh, talking about the Braves and what they were able to do, take it three out of four against the Giants in Brooks, as you said, a three game series against the Dodgers, keeping you abreast of what's going on in Omaha for the College World Series. Top of the seventh inning, Ole Miss leads one to nothing over Arkansas. A one nothing lead in the top of the seventh winner goes on to the National Championship Series. Big time baseball game. Well, yeah, and uh, playing their best baseball games of the year, honestly, because both those teams are capable of scoring a lot of runs. So to see the pitchers being able to – and also, you know, I, I feel like I do this every year, make such a big deal about having to play so many games and such little time and how the pitching staffs are going to be strained and – these teams playing. This is the third day in a row for Arkansas, uh, second in a row for Ole Miss, and here they are. And every pitcher seems to be doing a quality job yeah. out there. So, um, you know that. But hey, that's what it takes. You got to have big time guy, or you have to have guys step up and have big time performances. Brooks, who do you think uh, would win that championship series between Ole Miss and Oklahoma? I don't know because Oklahoma's looks looks good, and they look like a, a team that can you know win uh, win the national title right now um Ole Miss though is playing some hot baseball they they got on their horse there at the end of the in the regular season after struggling to start the SEC year uh after being number one for a little bit when Auburn played them the first time they were number one and then they kind of fell off and people kind of forgot about them and then they got on their horse a little bit made that last spot in to the uh, NCAA tournament and then they ran through and they've had a good good uh run in the tournament winning that uh winning out of the Coral Gables Regional, shutting out Southern Miss at their Super Regional, and then coming into this um, this weekend or this World Series, and they've done a really, really good job of winning, uh, you know, winning their games and going out there and having some good, good uh, baseball. I think if it was Oklahoma and Ole Miss, I want to give it to Oklahoma because I think that they're going to be a little bit more rested. They've got a they've got a couple you know they they've had a little bit easier path to get there. They haven't played as many games, but I just, I don't know if you can discount this Ole Miss team the way they've been playing the uh, the way they've been continuing to run through this College World Series and they're just hot right now. I don't know how it it the when there comes to a point where you think oh well. Ole Miss can't do keep this up. They keep keeping it up, and it's just it's impressive. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really know how you could say that you feel great about one thing or the other, you know, at this point. Because look at what we got left. You know, Oklahoma was not a national seed, correct? I don't believe. No, they, they were they a two didn't seed. Ho- yeah, they didn't host. They were. Regional. Yeah, they were two seed out of Virginia Tech Regional. Um, so they're not a national seed. Ole Miss was the literally the last team into the NCAA tournament. The the NCAA said that. That's not where to speculate. They were the last team in the tournament. And then Arkansas is the national team, national seed. Remain. No, they, no they were a two-seed as well. They were a two-seed in the Stillwater Regional. I get, you have no national seats <laughs> remaining. So if you were to say, you know, who's the best team in the sport, well, everyone and their brother would say Tennessee, and they'd be correct. Tennessee is not here. And then if you wanted to say some of the best of the rest, they're not here. And they lost to the teams that are here. So these teams are all playing their best baseball now. And look, in the case of especially Arkansas and Ole Miss, no one thought they were bad teams. They just got worn down by 
good conference competition. You know, I mean, you're playing teams, as we discussed in recent weeks in the SEC, that are in the NCAA tournament every year and, and all these top 25 programs and that sort of thing. And so sometimes during the, the tumultuous time of, of the SEC tough schedule, you, you lose some series and you rack up some losses to good teams. Doesn't mean your own team's not very good. So all the you know you're not going to get the best team in the sport to win the championship this year but you've got a collection of teams that have beaten impressive teams and um you know were able to uh, play their best baseball at the end of the season and and look you know auburn you just want to take into account what auburn did was auburn one of the best eight teams in the sport this year for most of it no uh, they weren't far off they were maybe a top 15 team um but then all of a sudden, you know, last week into the year, they play some of their worst baseball of the year, and then they immediately turn on their best baseball of the season until they get to the College World Series. So, I mean, that's just how quickly it can change the sport of baseball uh, and, and with these college kids, obviously. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's any clear favorite, no matter if it's Arkansas versus Oklahoma or Ole Miss versus Oklahoma. I wanted to go back and look at this uh, this Ole Miss team because – they were number one when they came to Auburn back in mid-March, March 17th. They won two out of three versus the Auburn Tigers. Then they went uh, went back home and were swept by Tennessee, which is not shocking in any sort of the former fashion. But they they swept, were swept by Tennessee, then went and won two out of three at Kentucky. But then the, the wheels started to fall off a little bit. They lost to Southern Miss uh, at a neutral site game in Pearl, Mississippi, were swept by Alabama at home. Lost two out of three to South Carolina on the road. Lost to Southeast Missouri. Lost two out of three to Mississippi State at home. Or lost uh, two out of four to Mississippi State at home. Or, hold on. I'll get it right. <laughs> lost two out of three to Mississippi State at home. Then beat Mississippi State in a neutral site game. And then lost two out of three to Arkansas. And then about beginning of April, they started to pick, or beginning of May, they started to pick things back up. Swept Missouri. Took down Southern Miss. Swept LSU. And then they lost two out of three to Texas A&M before they hit that uh, the NCAA tournament there as the last team in. Then swept through the regional, swept through the super regional, and then they had not lost a game in the postseason or in the NCAA tournament until that Arkansas game last night, that three to two loss. And now they're facing Arkansas again right now, a team that they, like I said moments ago, lost two out of three in the regular season too. And so. They've obviously scored buku runs here in the postseason, but even f- only allowing five um, against Arkansas in their first matchup of this tournament before they obviously lost 3-2 to two in a low-scoring game last night. They, they hold Auburn down to one run. If you go back into the Super Regional, they did not allow a single run to Southern Mississippi. And then even when they were just beating the other crap out of Arizona, six runs is not an exorbitant amount. Two to one against Miami and only four against Arizona. So this team, like like Bruce, if you think about the last couple of years of Ole Miss baseball, I feel like we're always talking about like here comes an eighteen to ten game. Yeah. And, and like, can they find an inning from somebody after they scored five runs in the previous inning? And I've you know, just take the Auburn series, uh, for example. Um, you know, in, in the three games that they played to, to start SEC play. That was three big blowout games because they they scored a ton and gave up just a note a few I think five or six in the first game yeah six they then gave up nineteen in the second game 
And then they won 15 to 2 in the final game. It was just organized, just chaos. And so what's happened here the last three weeks is that, yeah, they're still playing great offense like they always have, but they're now pitching really, really well at the right time. By the way, they just scored a, another run in the top of the seventh, so they're up 2 nothing with a runner on third and two out, which, you know, if this was the Auburn series or, or, or just at that point in the season, you would say, well, <laughs> uh, that's not safe, but. They've pitched really well here, so two nothing in the seventh is a quality lead for them, and uh, that's just that's just how it happens in the sport sometimes. Like I, I've given up trying to be like overly uh, analytical about why teams are playing well, you know, at certain parts of the season. It's baseball, and we see this in the professional level, but certainly with the more uh, sporadic tendencies of, of college kids. You're just going to have doses of great play from on one end. You're going to have doses of poor play on the other end. You just hope that the great play uh, comes in time for the postseason. We're going to take our next commercial break here on this Thursday edition of Sports Call. On the other side of this commercial break, when we come back, James from Montgomery has phoned into the program. We will talk with James coming up right after this on Sports Call. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. All right, welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call on WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Ryan and Brooks from Insider Studios here on South College Street. Your phone calls are welcome, 334-887-3401, as we are very excited to go back to our phone lines and joining us now on the program, James from Montgomery. James from Montgomery, or also as he's known, James the Thunder God, now joins us here on the program. Hello, James. Hello, and War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know this is going to be a really, really really big uh step for these guys in the nba these guys been waiting for it for a long time and the draft is here the nba draft is right here seven o'clock central tonight yep round one is here and everybody's asking i've been hearing all week uh you know i've been watching the pregame i've been watching the pre-draft the mock drafts and um you know seeing where some of these uh legendary uh, basketball sports analysts are trying to put Jabari Smith. I mean, he's one of the top tier, uh, you know, basketball players in in NBA history. I, I think it. I I think tonight in the first round, I think Jabari Smith would go to the Orlando Magic because I think they really do need him as well. Um, you know, he was really good with Auburn. He he played good. He played hard. So I think with with the Orlando Magic, I think it. I think he might be in Orlando, Florida, and actually trying to make that team go to the NBA Finals next year in 2023. And going to Disney World. 
Yes, as well, as well, because I mean, some of the guys, I mean, with there was they were asking, uh, you know, they were like trying to find out where they were going to put uh, Walker Kessler. I don't see Walker Kessler anywhere in the first round or in the second round of the NBA draft. So, yeah, I'm just going to say Walker Kessler, it, was, it wasn't your time to shine. Maybe next time it will be Walker Kessler's time to shine as well. Well, you're going to have to give us a call tomorrow, James, because Walker Kessler will be picked tonight. He, his time will to shine will be tonight. He's going to get drafted, and we'll be able to know what team to cheer for with Walker Kessler because somebody's going to draft him tonight. Yeah, so I was, um, I was actually looking when they came down to the 26th pick of my Dallas Mavericks, and I think that Walker Kessler would be with my Dallas Mavericks as well because we do need... So then it would be his time to shine. Yeah, it would be um, his time to shine with uh, my Dallas Mavericks as well because we do have uh, great... Great basketball players on our on my team as well. We do have some great uh, Hall of Famers uh, and one uh, Jason Kidd. Uh, no, no, no. Um, he's your coach. Not, yeah, he's our coach. Yeah, he's yeah, a Hall Jason of Famer. Kidd. Jason Kidd's in the yeah. Hall of Fame. He's a great player. Yeah. yeah, so he played with the Dallas Mavericks uh, years ago, and um, you know that that way he couldn't actually. That way, if Walker Kessler gets picked by the Dallas Mavericks, he can actually... That's a good you know, coach to learn from. Yeah, and basically we do have some great, great players from overseas. We do have... Uh, we do have one. Uh, we have uh, Luka Doncic. He's one from uh, Spain, so he has that... He has that... That... Uh, that that uh, Spain mentality to him as well. And then we have another guy that's like... Seven foot two, seven foot three, tall guy from uh, from I guess he's like from Barcelona. So those two guys are, are really good. And then you know when Walker Kessler actually comes to Dallas, he's going to be looking up in the Raptors and seeing some of the great leg- legends of the past of that team as well. Yeah, you were talking about your good buddy Luka Doncic. He, he's actually from Slovenia. He's not from yeah. Spain. He's from Slovenia. And Barcelona is in Spain, but you're talking about Boban Marjanovic. He is from Serbia, and Boban's actually been traded recently, so he's not on your team anymore. And then you got Maxi Kleba, and he's from Germany. So you do have a lot of uh, international players there for the Mavericks. Yes, that's well because with uh, Boban, I actually love. I actually liked his his uh, funny ways with with the team. He was really funny, and um, you know he's going to be um, a guy that most. Mavericks fans are going to really miss when the when the season picks back up in 2023 as well. Yeah, he was in the and Christian then, Wood trade to the Rockets. Yeah, so and um and Luka Doncic, I know he's gone. So, you know, that's going to be a hard a hard spot to fill as well. No, Luka's coming back. I, Luka's not gone. He's still on your team. Yeah. yeah, so I mean with Luka, I always watch him. I I idolize myself around him. I learn everything about him. You know, when I watch his uh, YouTube videos of how to, you know, how to do the 
the uh, step back three shots, and they actually work. And and I'm still working on those as well, very hard as as I as I progress in that. Yeah, hopefully your basketball game continues to improve. That's a good player to watch and sort of idolize there in Luka Doncic. Can you dribble between your legs? Um, no, I cannot, but I can actually dribble a basketball behind my back. Okay, you can go behind the off. back, but you can't go between the legs. No, I can actually uh, dribble behind my back, and I can actually shoot it. And that is actually uh, something that I've learned from one of the great legends of the NBA uh, basketball league. Yeah, well, a lot of the legends can dribble between their legs, too. So that's the next thing to work on, okay? Yeah, well, and uh, with the NFL uh, season coming in, I know um, it's going to be kind of hard to see uh, some of these guys that are going to be picked up for for the NFL fantasy draft. So the draft starts in July. So um, I'm going to actually do my mock draft uh, July the 1st or the 2nd and see who I'm going to be picking when the actual season kicks off on uh, September the uh, 1st as well. Where do you think uh, Dak Prescott will go? Um, I'm actually going to put him at number one. So I'm going to pick him right off the board. I'm going to put him on my mock draft. I'm going to put him at number one. And then number two, what I have to actually get a good, good running back. So I'm gonna probably get, um, I'm gonna probably say I'm gonna get somebody new that's already in the draft. Probably like a, like a player from Georgia or Florida or maybe Alabama. Just to name those few teams off the, off the board as well. What about like Derrick Henry? Um, well, actually, Derrick Henry, I would pick him, but I don't know um, his speed, so I don't know if he's going to still have that same speed that he had last uh, NFL draft. Yeah, uh, He's the best running well. back in the NFL. Yeah, so I'm going to actually put him um, behind that Prescott, and then I'm going to put Christian McCaffrey in the, you know, in the second uh, running back position as well. And then I'm going to pick two good wide receivers. One will be from Dallas, and then one will be from Miami as well. So I'm going to be picking Tyreek Hill for the Miami Dolphins as well. And then C.D. Lamb for the Dallas Cowboys? Uh, yes, as well. And then I'm going to have one good tight end. I might, I might pick a tight end from uh, the New Orleans Saints or the Washington uh, Commanders as well. Just one tight end as well. So that's going to be um, very, very hard to decide on that one as well. And then one good team defense would be the Los Angeles Rams as well, the Super Bowl champion Rams as well. Yeah, they're a good football team. they got a lot coming back on that defense, so that's going to be a good team to watch this upcoming season. Tell us something else, James. Well, I'm actually going to be in July. I'm going to be uh, looking at the uh, SEC Media Day and seeing what Brian Harson is actually going to say about the upcoming football season. I'm going to be looking at uh, this coming up uh, September as well. What uh, what do you what do you think he's going to say? Well, he's going to say a lot because, you know, with football season right around the corner and week one when we play against Mercer, I'm pretty sure that that's going to be a good win for Auburn as well. 
because I know we do have some key uh, pieces that are going to be coming in this year that I'm going to be looking at. And uh, with Zach Calzada coming in from Texas A&M, I think he's going to be our starter uh, this year. I, I really do think uh, Zach Calzada will be our starter for Auburn this year. It looks like it's trending that direction, that's for sure. Uh, let's talk a little bit about baseball, James. Aaron Judge for the Yankees. He hit two more home runs last night. He is the best home run hitter in baseball. Yes, as well. I did see uh, Aaron Judge actually hit those two amazing moon shots, and um, I think with that being said, I think Aaron Judge is one of the best uh, baseball players in in the New York Yankees uh, roster as well. But with Aaron Judge, he reminds me of uh, Derek Jeter in a way. He has that Derek Jeter type feel to him as well. Do you think the Yankees should re-sign him after the season because he's going to be a free agent? Um, Where you're referring to, Aaron Judge? Yes, Aaron Judge. Um, yes, I think they should re-sign him for another deal with the with the New York Yankees as well. How much should they pay him? Um, well, that depends on what their salary cap might be for the all-season. Yeah, remember baseball, you could pay people as, as much as you want to. He he, uh, he he made some news for declining a couple of contracts that were offered to him before the start of the year. He makes a ton of money. So uh, he, he rejected a $213 million deal. So they're probably going to have to pay him a little bit more than that, James. Yes, that's well. So if he, I'm just saying as a baseball fan, um, if he's a free agent and he wants to come to a good team, he can come to the Texas Rangers. And if I was like the Texas Rangers uh, general manager, I will actually sit you know, Mr. Judge down and I'll just say, hey, you're a really good player. I've seen you play with the New York Yankees, but you're going to come. And, you know, if I give you this check for a half of a quarter million dollars in our team, in our organization, you could take it or you could leave it. Either way. He might leave it, James. I mean, 700 and uh, or a quarter million, sorry. That'd be $250,000. And he turned down $213 million from the Yankees. So I think that offer may be way off. You might have to offer him, like, I don't know, $300 million. Yeah, something like that. I could offer him a $300 million seller um, cat deal for four years or four. Uh, remarkable years with our uh, Texas Rangers organization and um, you know he got to go through spring training so it, it will be very very interesting to see a great guy like that as well. He'd be good wearing the Rangers uniform wouldn't he? Yes it, it would be because I think um, you know we really do have some great guys that are going to be coming in during the off season. so um, we got some really good guys that we're actually looking at for next year's uh, draft as well. Who's your favorite Texas Rangers player this year? Uh, my favorite Texas Rangers player would be uh, ooh, so many good guys on our on my team. Um, I would have to say, um, I'll probably say like Elvis. I don't know his last name. Elvis Andrews? Yes. Yeah, he, he... Elvis. Andrew. Yeah, he was a good player for the Rangers when he was there. Corey Seager is your shortstop, James. He came over from the Dodgers. Yes, we yeah. were looking at him when he was playing with the Dodgers. And Corey Seager, he's a really good guy. 
Um, basically, I've seen him, you know, with different teams and seeing his, um, you know, seeing his stats on the roster's, um, you know, list. And he has really good stats this year and maybe next year as well. So that's why I put him in the all-star uh, home run derby as well. You put Corey Seager in the all-star home run derby? Yes, I actually did. Wow. That's exciting for him. I actually did because um, I do love the All-Star Home Run Derby. I've been watching it for years and years and years, and this is actually my third time actually watching it this year. Perfect. Yeah, we like it too. We like it a whole lot too. It's one of our favorite events to watch each and every season. Give us another thought, James. Well, with my um, Birmingham Stallions, uh, later on, uh, well, today they're actually playing – in Canton, Ohio right now. So they're actually starting the game uh, right now. So the first game is starting today, and then the second game is starting tomorrow. So uh, the first game is between the Philadelphia Stars and the New Jersey Generals. And then the second game would be tomorrow between the New Orleans Breakers and the – I think the New Orleans Breakers are playing the Tampa Bay Bandits. I'm not quite sure on that. Yeah, that would be a, that'd be a fun one to watch. You ready for your Thursday trivia? Um, I am. I knew you would be. All right, here's your uh, here's your first question for Thursday trivia. Okay. Okay. What were the names of Harry Potter's two friends? Harry Potter's main two friends. What were their names? Um, let's see. Um, let me see. Um, I'm not quite sure, but I'll just take a guess at this. Uh, I know, I know one is, and I I have to pass on this. Okay, remember Ron, remember Ron Weasley and Hermione? Mm-hmm. Those were Harry's two best friends. Yeah, yeah, Ronnie and Hermione. They they sound like really good friends I can have. Yeah, they are good friends for Harry. All right, what movie did the Minions first appear in? Okay. Um, let me see, because I am a huge, huge Minions fan. And their first time that they ever appeared in, the first movie that the Minions ever appeared in was Despicable Me. That's right. That's right. What do you remember about that movie? Um, well, that movie, it really touched my heart as well because of the of the three little girls that are like in a in a in an orphanage as well, and that that whole those three main characters wrap up what you know what people you know should do you know for for children as well because with that I mean that really touched my heart as well to see um, to actually see Groot actually you know go to the uh, orphanage center and adopt them as well if they were going to be his own children as well. No doubt about that. Uh, last question for you, James, on our Thursday trivia, Thursday movie trivia. What's the name of the actor that plays Forrest Gump? 
That would be um, that would be no other than Tom Hanks. Yes, very good. That's so clutch, James. You're clutch. Because with Tom Hanks, I am one of his biggest movie fans. I've seen all of his movies. He's done uh, great work. His acting is on point, and you know, with Forrest Gump, I've I watched that movie so many times, and I've learned so much about you know different things of you know seeing hearing one of his his great quotes that he's yeah, that uh, Forrest Gump always talks about. He's telling people about his life that you know if you get like a box of chocolates, you don't know what you're going to get in it until. Once all you once you eat all the chocolate, everything in your life is completely gone. That is a good quote. That's a great one. Yes, as well. And then uh, with the NBA draft today, I'm actually watching. A let me really, get you. Really, let me get one more. Give me a, give me one of your other favorite Tom Hanks movies. Uh, my favorite, uh, my other favorite Tom Hanks movie that I like to watch is Saving Private Ryan. All right. All right, that what do you like about that movie? Well, it's more of a it's more of like a war movie to me as well because I love to see um you know, I like to see a lot of uh, different things that those men actually paid a brave sacrifice during June 6, 1944 or as I like to call it D-Day as well. Yep. You're, you're really good with your history, James. There's no denying that. All right, buddy. It was good to uh, hear from you today. Do we have Flashback Friday tomorrow? Oh, yes, we actually do. We actually do have Flashback Friday tomorrow as well because I am actually got something a little bit uh, interesting as well. Um, my first time actually going to a women's soccer game for the first time as well. And this year is actually going to take y'all all the way back to 2002 when they actually played the University of Alabama at home in Auburn as well. Okay, so that's going to be Flashback Friday tomorrow. Good. All right, that's yes, a little teaser, well. and we'll be ready for it. All right, as well, and War Eagle. War Eagle. That's our good buddy James from Montgomery joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line, and that brings our hour to a close. Alongside Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress, My name is J.J. Jackson. Two hours in the books, and we're rolling. Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started today on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson hanging out here in the studio with Ryan LaVoy 
and Brooks Childress as we're getting set for the NBA draft tonight. And Brooks, we've been able to chat with a lot of our favorite guests today on the program. Yeah, we've talked to um, Jonathan Hoppy from WTVM Sports Leader 9 over in Columbus. Always enjoy talking to him. Uh, talked to him about the Auburn baseball team finishing up their season in Omaha. Talked a little bit about NBA draft. And then more in-depth draft talk with uh, Ben Gulliver from the Washington Post. He's been on the show several, several times. We talked to him about a lot of different NBA topics. And I think the consensus is that everyone expects, and, and it's no shock, everyone expects Jabari Smith to go number one overall. I know you know, in the sports report you just heard a little bit ago that the, the numbers have kind of fluctuated back and forth. I think last night... There was a point where Paolo Bancaro, the uh, the money line went to him being number one overall pick, and that was kind of a shock because everyone up until this point has been saying, oh, it's going to be Chet Holmgren. No, it's going to be Jabari Smith, and then Jabari kind of took the lead there for a little bit, and then uh, Paolo Bancaro, a lot of people, someone threw some money on a Paolo Bancaro, and it got he got to the point there where he was uh, the, the, the odds-on money favorite, and then someone else went to Vegas and dumped a whole lot of money last night, apparently. And on to Jabari Smith, and now he's once again the favorite. And I've, I think I've seen also, you know, perusing the social medias, where it's still kind of back and forth, where it starts to waver back toward maybe Paolo getting, catching some ground Smith, and then Smith getting it back. So who knows? But I think the consensus with all the experts, like Ben Golliver was saying, is that Jabari Smith is expected to be the number one overall pick to uh, the Orlando Magic tonight. We made our monthly predictions going into the month of June on who we thought that number one pick would be. Please go check that out on our website, thetiger.fm, for our June monthly predictions. Currently, we've got uh, Ole Miss and Arkansas playing in the College World Series. Ole Miss leads 2 to nothing in the top of the ninth inning. The winner goes on to face Oklahoma in the National Championship Series. Auburn season came to a close uh, with the, the Tigers falling 11-1 to to Arkansas. But, man, everyone was rallying around Butch Thompson and the Auburn Tigers, the run they were able to have. Here was Bruce Pearl a few days ago. Just amazing to watch Butch Thompson, Tim, and Gabe, and the coaching staff. Um, man, I was so proud uh, of them. <laughs> they got bad news for everybody, right? Just uh, uh, worst to first, and, and uh, just the culture of Auburn baseball and Butch Thompson baseball. He's so humble. Uh, he represents Auburn so well. Man, we're just lucky to have him. Those boys are lucky to have him, and they know it. It's so cool to see these Auburn coaches hype one another up, rooting for their programs. Bruce Pearl was in Auburn, and then all of a sudden he was in Omaha at the College World Series game. He's leading cheers for the team, and uh, then we'll, we'll, he's got a busy day ahead of him today. But, man, it's awesome to see these coaches root for one another. And if you're talking about the coaches that promote Auburn University the most, Auburn Athletics the most, it is absolutely Bruce Pearl and Butch Thompson right at the top. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you said earlier, did we were we able to confirm Bruce is going to end up showing up in, yeah. in Barclay Center today? Yep. Okay, because yesterday it was that was very much in question whether he wanted to do that or not. But I think ultimately the, you know, he, he, the reasoning was he did not want to put any attention on himself. But I think the players probably would say to him, we just want you to be there to, for us. Yeah. And, you know, the attention, we don't worry about. You know, we'll the, hear his yeah. direct quote a li- in just a little bit here. But, he, you know, Bruce Pearl making it no, I'll be in. I'll be in Brooklyn. I might not be where the cameras can see me. Right. But he's already – he is with both of those players Good. and their families today to celebrate that. Good. I, I would definitely I'd – I'd appreciate that my coach wasn't trying to yeah. – 
you know, have the spot on him, but also I understand that's not who my coach is at the end of the day anyway. And so just being supportive and, you know, that's what Bruce has always done. There's all, there's been a moment, and I guess he's conscientious about it where, where as there's been a lot of times where he's wanted to be in front of the camera because he wants Auburn to be in front of the camera and trying to get attention. You know, he, he – I don't know if I've really seen this. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just having tunnel vision here or tunnel memory. I can't really recall coaches doing post-game interviews 45 seconds after the game on the floor the way Bruce Pearl has done many times yeah. for several years. I mean, he'll just go right over. I'm not talking like I'm not talking like five minutes after and the people are clearing out. I'm saying like he. Shakes the hand and then puts a headset on. Yeah, like they go in the SEC now. Whoever is the the Darinoka most likely or someone like that. But no, whoever's you know finishing the broadcast, Dave Neal or whoever you know says goodbye. They go into Peter Burns or Darinoka in the studio, and then they immediately say, "We have the head coach of Auburn, Bruce Pearl," and sweat still rolling down his (laughs) face. And like I just don't can't think of that being very popular of, of guys doing that i don't recall any of the you know roy williams mike krzyzewski john cal perry doing that you know so he's always trying to get uh in front of the camera to get auburn in front of the camera but um that's just part of what was needed for the program is being an ambassador and getting real tangible excitement and who better to excite you than Bruce Pearl. Hey, Butch Thompson, the exact same thing. So really cool to hear those coaches talk about one another going back and forth. Let's talk more about the NBA draft in particular, listening to Bruce Pearl. But I want to talk real quickly about what this current team is doing. Here we are. We are 70-some-odd days away from the start of the college football season. We are 137 days away from Auburn men's basketball getting back in competition. They're getting set for a big trip to Israel. Here's Coach Pearl. We've had uh, one practice for Israel so far, um, and um, we've had some of our you know uh, workouts. Uh, we got everybody here. A Yohan trailer came in this weekend. Um, he'll get uh, he'll go through some Camp War Eagle registration this week, get medically you know kind of certified, and a possibility he gets to practice some um, with us on Friday. So one big practice already for the Tigers. Practice scheduled for tomorrow as they get set for Israel, the offseason. And then the big news for Auburn basketball, Johan Treor is on campus, and now he's going through the Camp War Eagle registrations to be an Auburn student. But uh, they're ready to be off and running and get some practice in. Yeah, they obviously will be reloading with another talented group of guys that they want to – uh, work with all summer long and um yeah no very exciting and again that's gone into why it's been so important to get in front of the cameras to have nights like this where Auburn guys are going to be drafted and just expand upon the popularity of the program no doubt about that and you know you always turn it over you go on to next season and to see how this team can improve moving forward from that so the NBA draft is tonight Jabari Smith has the possibility of being the number one overall pick at the next level. What if he does go number one? Here's Coach Pearl. You know, as you walk into our locker room, um, one of the very first things you see on the wall is make history. It's right in the middle of our AU logo. And we put that up years ago because 
there has been great history and tradition of Auburn basketball. And I wanted the guys come to Auburn to try to add to that history. So winning championships like this team did in 2022 is historical, being number one in the country, and quite frankly, being the best team in college basketball for about a month, uh, or maybe even a month and a half during January and mid-February, uh, is historical. And then getting Jabari Walker to go in the first round, if that indeed happens, which I believe it will, um, you know, Jabari hopefully goes one, and Walker hopefully goes in the late teens or early 20s. Um, man, it's just, uh, it's, it's what we're here to do. We're here to win championships and we're here to get the guys from here to there at Auburn. That's what our job is. <laughs> and there's no better way of getting from here to there than to win a championship and get drafted and sign a contract. And, um, those guys are humble. They're hungry. They're both incredibly hardworking. Um, and they both love Auburn and they love their time here at Auburn. And they're both going to be great ambassadors, you know, for Auburn. They both did it the right way. They both just on a regular basis did the things that God might bless on a consistent basis. They're great teammates. They wanted to win championships, and they did. Brooks, that's Bruce Pearl right there talking about the significance of tonight with Auburn having likely two first-round picks. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, you look at it, it's pretty significant that – you know, one, you just get you know, for Auburn a few years ago before, you know, right when Bruce Pearl started, it would just been a significant to get two draft picks or a draft pick right. somewhere in there. Um, and then Auburn's done that. Auburn's had uh, guys picked last few years. You've got a uh, Chimo Kiki who went down to Orlando. Um, you've had Isaac Okoro get drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers. You've had guys have some uh, some c- cups of coffee in the NBA with Bryce Brown with the Celtics and uh, Jabari or not Jabari, uh, Jared Harper with the Suns, and then now with the uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, where he's still in the, the G League team there. He's gotten a little playing time up there. But now you've got two guys that came in, and you know you knew Jabari Smith was going to be really, really good to start with, one of the, the highest recruit in Auburn basketball history. And then Walker Kessler just absolutely came in and worked his butt off and got better and continued to grow it with his game. And now he's probably could be a first round pick tonight as well. Um, and it, it shows you and it shows the recruits out there that are looking at Auburn and potentially thinking, oh, is Auburn the place that I can go? Bruce Burrow can develop players into NBA talent. I know Jabari Smith didn't need that much developing, but you look at the, the job that they did with Walker Kessler going from a guy that had limited minutes at North Carolina. Now, that was circumstantial. There was some guys in front of him that played really, really well. One guy in particular almost led that team to a national title this year in uh, Armando Baycott. And so if if I'm, you know, if anybody's sitting behind Armando Baycott, you're probably not getting a lot of playing time. Uh, but uh, Walker Kessler took went to Auburn and continued to develop. And now, you, you know, you're a recruit. You're looking at what Walker Kessler did. You say, I can go there and develop myself into a first-round talent. Yeah, and you look at that development over time. I mean, you know, Chumo Kiki was a guy that was a, a pretty big four-star recruit. But you know, in basketball, when you only have sixty picks in a draft, if you're not top ten or top fifteen, they're not looking really for you to be a one-and-done guy. When you have to come back, that means something developmental has to happen. And Chuma, in his sophomore year, developed into a terrific player. Uh, certainly improved in his two years at Auburn. Uh, and I know Isaac Okoro was one and done. But, again, I, I don't think w- when you talk about Okoro's offensive game, and I understand it was a weak draft class, but uh, I, I certainly think that he 
played above expectations uh, his one year at Auburn, and, and certainly the coaching staff had something to do with that. And whether it be development towards the NBA minor, just just development in the college game. Period. I mean, Jared Harper and Bryce Brown's development uh, over the course of three and four years at Auburn made this into a, a, a Final Four team a few years ago, uh, along with Shumo Kiki. And I know for every developmental success story, there's always going to be a, a guy or two that, that didn't, and, and that's a part of it. But uh, Auburn's success on the, the basketball floor insinuates that they have done a job with – a good job with, with more than they've not done a good job with. And and so um, this is a school that you can, A, compete for a championship at in, at the college level, but B, be able to make the NBA. And that's what Bruce said. That's the two goals. You want to win in college, and we want to get you on to the next level. And Auburn, the last five years or so, are, are checking those boxes. Let's get set to uh, go to our next commercial break. On the other side of the break, a little bit more NBA draft talk, and we get set to get out of here for today. 7 o'clock Central start for the 2022 NBA draft. We're back in a moment on Tiger 95.9. you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au want more sports call check us out online at sportscallauburn.com back on the program sports call tiger 95.9 fm jj ryan and brooks here inside our studios want to let you know that uh, the game has gone final between ole miss and arkansas the rebels win two nothing they are going to the national championship series to take on Oklahoma. Aaron Fitt from D1 Baseball just pointed out that that game officially registered at two hours and six minutes. Lightning pace. (laughs) They wanted to make sure they beat the light. Yeah. Lightning pace. They could have played that at whatever time. (laughs) And six minutes. Does Ole Miss have a guy that may get drafted tonight that they wanted to see if he was going to go? Well, Dylan DeLucia pitched all nine innings. Dang. And he was the pitcher that kind of mowed down Auburn. And their matchup, yeah, but he, he had did. a complete game, nine innings of work, and only four hits given up to Arkansas. Big well, time performance. I'm, you know, so I was talking about what happens when you stretch your pitching staff over four or five games over a week time, and well, I'll tell you what saves a pitching staff. Yeah, someone doing Sheesh. it himself. You're not kidding. <laughs> you know, you're so not kidding. That that's uh, that's always beneficial. That that's something I was wishing Auburn could have done to Arkansas a better job of hitting earlier in that game. I know Auburn obviously got hit early in that game, and it was not competitive by the middle innings. But when you throw a a ton of pitchers in the previous game or have just been throwing a lot of guys a lot of innings, at some point some of those guys have to wear down. So credit to the pitching staffs, though, here. I mean, it takes an entire team there, and Ole Miss's pitching staff has been really good. Let's, uh, let's get set for tonight's NBA draft. 7 o'clock Central start on ESPN. Uh, Ryan, I'll start with you, and, and let's take Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler out of it because we've talked a lot about those guys. Uh, what are you excited to see if you don't factor in the Auburn equation? 
Benedict Matherin. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that. Say that name. Uh, he's good. He'll be he picked good. in the lottery. He but. is a lottery pick. Arizona Wildcats, for those unaware. Um, that is a fun name. As a friend of yours, I, I hope that you guys, I'm talking about the Hornets, take Mark Williams. Because you're going to take a big man for the eighth out of tenth years. Just take the big guy you like. Yeah. That, that makes sense, that pick. Um, I don't think there's much intrigue in the top three. We know the three. We know the three teams. I don't think there will be a trade out of the three. So I'm not, you know, I, the intrigue will be three to five to seven years down the line how those guys are actually playing in the league. I think the biggest thing, this might sound like a cop-out for the draft, I want to see if any of the big domino trades happen tonight. I don't think we'll get a Kyrie Irving trade. I don't think we'll get anything that demonstrative. But there's usually a trade or two that are impactful on draft night. Does DeAndre Ayton get moved, the starting center for the Suns, who wants a max contract because don't we all want a max contract? But the Suns realize that his value is not that high, and so they're at an impasse. Um, want to see if Rudy Gobert in, gets traded. Uh, you know, draft night can initialize some of these trades, and so Rudy Gobert has been in hot water with Utah, and they're trying to figure out. Also, saw something about Portland. I think Portland wants to trade the seventh pick for OG and Anobi. Yeah, I would have done that yesterday. Yeah, like like if, if the Raptors should look at it and say, if you want to give me a top 10 pick for a guy that's never going to be better than like the fourth best player in a good team, I'm taking that bet. Right Let's now. do it, yeah. Because OG's an okay player, and I think he'll continue to develop and be a good defender and all that thing. But correct me if I'm wrong, JJ, I just don't think he has much of an offensive game. I don't stare at OG and Obi and the Raptors, to be fair, but I've just not seen him just blowing people away offensively. So does that trade happen? Um, and, and that sort of thing. And so I guess just the biggest thing for me outside of the Auburn guys is, is just examining to see any of these trades, any of these big names, uh, if those pieces of the puzzle get solved. A lot of things to be answered. Going into tonight's draft, we could see Gordon Hayward and also uh, D'Angelo Russell. His name has been brought up recently as well as somebody potentially that could get selected. So we'll see how that looks moving forward you excited for tonight brooks yeah i'm excited uh, like ryan i'm excited to see if there's any trades what what big trades are happening because you look at the nba draft and it's not like the nfl draft where you can get guys everywhere it's like oh i can make this work i can make this work there's like three or four you know guys that you're you're really high on and then you know most of the times in the nba draft this year no the same you've got holmgren you've got bankero you've got smith and then you've got Jaden ivy from purdue and then after that there's just a l- bunch of guys that can that can fit with your team but there's no one that really wows you in this draft. You can find a few guys, you know, a couple diamonds in the rough in the second round. The Warriors found uh, Draymond Green in the second round. You've got guys that can, you know, pop up and every, every so often. But overall, there's guys that aren't, you know, it, it's not a flood of talent like the NFL draft or there's not a million rounds to find someone like the, uh, the MLB draft. But so I, I'm interested to see where teams decide that they want, you know, instead of picking a guy, they would rather move and try to go get other pieces and trade that pick. Also, what I'm excited to see is what the Hawks do at 16, if they do anything at 16, because there's there they can use some pieces there. Yeah. There's a couple ways that different ways they go. I'm looking at the ESPN Plus uh, latest mock draft from about an hour ago. They've got them taking Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. 
he was a fine player in the in the uh, in the WAC or the, not the WAC WCC, but there's a lot of Gonzaga guys that overshadowed him, and he, he was he was just a fine player. So I, I want to see what the Hawks do because I know a lot of people in this area do when, if they follow the NBA, they're following the Atlanta Hawks. My favorite thing is that that Jalen Williams from Santa Clara doesn't spell it the same way as Jalen Williams at Arkansas, who's also going to be drafted tonight, and he spells it the same way as Jalen Williams, who plays for Auburn. So there's a lot of Jalen Williams out there wandering around and that sort of thing. Which of the Duke guys, JJ, do you have most intrigue around tonight? Not Paula Bencaro. Oh, the mid-carry, yeah. Uh, the, Wendell Moore Jr. and Trevor Keels at the back half just to see where they get selected, if they can go in the first round. They're, look, we've only seen it once before, only once in the history of the draft has a school had five players selected in the NBA draft in the first round, and that was Kentucky in 2010. And Duke has five draft-eligible guys that really could scare uh, an opportunity to tie that record. And so we'll see if that takes place. To the phone lines we go. We've got time for one more quick phone call before the show comes to a close today. As we go there now, joining us on the program is... Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is called into the show. Hi, Steve. War Eagle and exactly define how quick is quick. Got about four minutes left in the show, Steve. Holy crap. Yeah, okay. we're on the timer. Well, uh, I'm really, you know, I, I normally don't care for uh, states out, outside of us, you know, especially uh, in the SEC, but I'm glad Ole Miss uh, won today, two to nothing. Yeah. I watched it. And uh, I don't know who this Delusia guy is, but he is lethal. He's been incredible. Where did he come from? He, I mean, he was uh, obviously not a fixture throughout the majority of the season so much, uh, but then he was able to, to come on and pitch really well against Auburn and then today against Arkansas. So uh, incredible stuff from him. I mean, is he from Mississippi? Or? I'm not sure of exactly where specifically he is, but they're, they've got to be thrilled that they've got him. Unbelievable. Yeah, but I, I think he deserves to win. So, guys, you know, I'm going to maybe uh, go out on, on a, on, uh, on a limb here. He's but, from Port Orange, uh, I, Florida. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, okay, I'm going to be pulling for Ole Miss. I think they, they deserve it. But Oklahoma is, is really, I mean, are they that unbeatable? I mean, both of these teams were unseeded. Neither one of these teams were top sixteen seeds. So I, I think it's going to be. I know. I think it's going to be a great series that takes place. Oklahoma beat Auburn, Steve. We lost in the very first game of the year against them, three nothing. Beat Oklahoma one game. No, we, we we didn't. Unfortunately, we did not. Yeah. Okay, sorry about that. It's okay. Okay, moving on, guys. I loved Tom Peavy's wacky Wizzy these stories. Yeah, you've got. Uh, I'm glad. I, mean, I hope you were able to listen the last time, but I'm glad that you listened them. yesterday. Yeah. Oh, I loved them. Like the one about Rob Crew. I said, oh, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> and then the one about voices. Right. And I'm a former retired mental health therapist. I would have said, this lady, you know, has had some serious, maybe dysfunctional, um, you know, uh, issues going on, you know, uh, for some uh, delusional, but for what I. He, he said in this thing, I said, this is uh, incredulous. Uh, but anyway, real quick. And the pinching man me? was very scary, Steve. The pinching man. Yeah, you know, the pinching man, yeah. But uh, the voices thing really got me. Could you give me what is either the website? Because I couldn't understand it on the podcast, the name of the website. I'll uh, send you a message. Pitch. Yeah, I'll be able to send you a message. Okay, well, that's all I've got, guys. Uh, I just enjoyed it. A personal question on my end. Could you make this a regular uh, segment of your show? that uh, you'll you'll do this with Tom Peter. Yeah, no doubt about that. Stories. We'll keep doing it on Wednesdays. Uh, we won't do it every single week, but every two weeks we'll do something like that. We'll be able to make it work. All right. Well, with that said, I know my time is up. Four minutes is up, so I'm going to keep to my word. 
Thank you for your time. I know my time is way up. So until next time, guys, have a evening. And War Eagle always. War Eagle. That's our buddy, retired War Dam Steve, joining us there on the program. 334-887-3401 is how you could call in to be a part of the show moving forward. As we get set to get out of here today, let's do this. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Nightly TV Guide, Brooks, is brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Stop by your local TK's convenience store. Get you a nice pack of White Claws. What's on TV, Brooks? Well, if you don't like the the NBA draft, I'll give you some movie picks to occupy your evening to start with. 6 o'clock on FX, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, the second installment of the Captain America series in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All right. That is tonight, 6 o'clock FX. Then at 6.25 on TNT, if you want to go to the DC side of things, The Suicide Squad, Will Smith, Margot Robbie. Great, great movie. I know a lot of people didn't think it was good. I thought it was fine. I enjoyed it. Fun fact, um, if you were a lo- uh, late night owl last night, or night owl, night owl. Um, you know, it, it, anyway, uh, after the lightning loss, I depressingly watched about an hour of it. They were showing that wow. uh, last night. So wow. I did watch about an hour of it, yep, before I went on to a few video games. Perfect. Yeah. Sports-wise for you tonight, uh, there was supposed to be a College World Series game tonight. That game got moved up, and it's already over. Two hours and what did you say, 17 minutes? Yep. Uh, worth of baseball is already done, so no baseball on tonight. Two softball games in the Athletes Unlimited AUX series tonight at 6 o'clock on ESPNU, then followed by 8.30 on ESPNU. But, of course, the main highlight of the sports world tonight is the NBA Draft, 7 o'clock, ESPN, ABC. Jabari Smith, the odds-on favorite to go number one overall. Walker Kessler could also be a number one or a first-round pick. See where he lands in all of this. And, of course, see where everybody else lands. The SEC that you saw him play in Auburn Arena all year. No kidding. That's our nightly TV guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, always do appreciate your time on the program. We'll see you tomorrow. All righty. Uh, and Ryan, always a pleasure to see you and be on the program. Thanks for being here today. Absolutely, man. Let's enjoy an NBA draft tonight. It's going to be fun. We'll be tuned in all night long. That brings our show to a close. Thank you so much to Jonathan Hoppy for being on the program with us today, as well as our good pal Ben Golliver with the Washington Post. Alongside Brooks Childress and Ryan LaVoy, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day. Good day.